Uh, welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by a very special guest. We have M. Curtis McCoy on the show today. Um, he is an American entrepreneur, influencer, and keynote speaker. He's the author of books on leadership, personal branding, communication, and personal development. Uh, so Curtis uh, has actually been through quite a lot in his life. He uh, survived brain cancer. Uh, his family took him to Tijuana, Mexico to pursue alternative treatments that were not approved for use in the United States. He's uncertain of whether he would survive or not, but inspired to make a difference in as many lives as possible with the time that he had left. Uh, over the years, he began contacting leaders he admired and asking questions. And his book, How to Be Successful, Think Like a Leader, is a compilation of true stories and conversations that he had in his fight to stay uplifted and inspired as he fought for his life. Uh, Curtis, welcome to the show. Man, thanks so much. I appreciate that intro. You made me sound like a rock star. <laughs> well, I didn't have to try too hard, man. It, it, it's quite a story. Just just reading your bio, I was super intrigued. Tell me, tell me a little about, I guess, kind of the the journey. Of what what originally, um, kind of how how did you originally find out that that something was was sort of wrong with your health? So that was kind of a kind of a crazy thing. You know, a lot of people you get cancer and you get sick and start, you know, you just go to the doctor and figure it out pretty quick. Um, I was diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, at 27 months old. And so my whole life, I've had, you know, if my blood sugar got too low, I'd have a seizure. Um, it got worse and worse, where pretty soon I was, um, you know, having 7 to 10 grand mal seizures a week. And I was running a few different businesses up in Denver. I owned a, a Christian clothing company and a uh, nutritional supplement company and a pharmaceutical company and a cosmetic medical laser franchise so super busy, and I just I started, you know, I'd be walking down the street and pass out and have a seizure. Or we sponsored an event at the Denver Coliseum one day, you know, an MMA fight. And, you know, thousands and thousands of people there. I'm the, I'm the event sponsor and had the uh, had Andy Hammond, IFBB, IFBB Pro Bodybuilder there, you know, doing a, tore, tore his shirt off and doing the whole uh, promo thing for my, my supplement company. And... Uh, Passed out and had a big seizure, you know, banging my face on the concrete. And um, it was just kind of a, I, I didn't realize that that was even a problem. I was just going, I figured my my diabetes was getting worse. But I uh, woke up one morning and had had a, had a bad seizure in the middle of the night. I woke up and half my body was dead. You know, I was bodybuilding at the time. So I'm, it was all that, you know, mind over matter. Thinking, okay, you can bench more if you just push harder. And so I was kind of thinking the same thing with, you know, with half of my body not working, I woke up and I was trying to get out of bed and I'm just thinking, man, I have just got to, just got to push harder. I don't know what the heck is going on. Can't get my arm to move. Can't get my leg to move. Fell out of bed and drug myself to the kitchen. And, uh, I, I had my, I'd leave my cell phone plugged in in the kitchen so that I could, you know, just not be distracted with all the business calls at night and stuff. And so I, uh, got in there and called my mom. She lived about five and a half hours away. And so as I was trying to tell her, hey, I think I got too low, I had a seizure, and now half of my body doesn't work, um, when, I, when I started talking to her, I said, hey, chicken, full, chicken, waffle, pituitary, phone charger. I'm like, what the heck? And so I, I tried to say something else, and it was just these random, random words that didn't make any sense. And so my mom finally called the paramedics when she realized that I couldn't communicate. 
they showed up and I did the same thing, trying to tell them, hey, I'm diabetic. I've, you know, I've had a seizure here. I, something's wrong. Um, and the paramedic, you know, couldn't understand what I was saying. And um, he, he tells the other guy that I had a stroke, thought I had a TIA stroke. And so I'm, I'm just getting furious thinking, I didn't have a stroke, you idiot. My sugar's too low. I just need some sugar. So I tested my sugar is good. And they ended up holding me to the hospital and um, was diagnosed with a malignant glioblastoma brain tumor. So my parents came up from, they were living in New Mexico at the time, and um, they they came up to visit and see me in the hospital there. And I, I remember the doctor, the one of the lead oncologists put his hand on my mom's shoulder and said, I wish I had better news. He's got 60 to 90 days to live. And, you know, so as they're talking, I, I still can't communicate. But uh, as they're talking, he's he's telling her, you need to make some memories, take him to Disneyland, do something. There's zero chance of survival with this type of tumor as far as it's gone. Um, so he said 60, 90 days max, may not be able to communicate again, may not, you know, just kind of, you know, I had lost the ability to drive, couldn't live alone, couldn't sleep alone, whatever, and uh, got out there. So we went to Tijuana, Mexico, rather than rather than doing the treatment here in the U.S., and uh, that's kind of a crazy thing too, because at the time, like I said, I owned a cosmetic medical laser franchise and a pharmaceutical company. So we were manufacturing injectable research peptides and had doctors and pharmacists working for me. And it were going out of the country for treatment because the, you know, the doctors here had said that American medicine will not fix the cancer. That I was, you know, there's no chance of survival. So what was, so, okay. So that, that all occurred. And then, what what followed so the you, you started trying did you start trying some like conventional treatments for, well i guess i guess there weren't any conventional treatments if they're just saying did sort of the the western medicine health model kind of just say we don't have anything to to do to help you is that yeah, so they it as that was going on we were at swedish medical center up in denver and they had it just happened that that week they were doing a training you know meeting with the top oncologists in the country from pretty much every hospital so they had dozens and dozens of these top really great cancer doctors and so they used my case as a case study and again said you know they'll do chemo and radiation and brain surgery but still no chance of living more than 90 days so here i am you know i, I believe in the american medical association i mean you know the american medical treatments at the time as well i i owned two companies that were that we're doing business, you know, medical business. And uh, so it was pretty crazy, pretty crazy thing to go to Tijuana, Mexico. And I thought that was going to be a, you know, I, I basically just went because I thought it was going to be a, uh, basically try to make my mom happy. I figured either way I was going to die. I didn't have any, didn't have much longer to go. So at least going to Mexico was what my mom felt was like the right, felt like was the right thing. So, uh, and <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of a crazy thing, but yeah. So tell me about, so what, was there an, a, like an experimental treatment that ended up kind of saving your life that, that was found in, in Mexico or, or what ended up happening? So this treatment, the uh, president Reagan, even he did the same treatment in Germany years and years before. So you're talking about the, the treatment that, that Reagan had tried and, and was successful. Yeah. So there's uh this clinic that we went to, it's called the Hoxie Biomedical Clinic, um, it, and it was a they, they've been around for 
50 plus years. And it's just, it's not legal in America to cure cancer. You cannot, you can't claim that you can cure cancer as a doctor in America because it's, I mean, it's a massive business. There's too much money to be lost if, if somebody could cure it. So, um, we went over there for this treatment that has been going on for, we, we met people at this clinic that had been, you know, from all over the world were coming for their 20 year checkup. You know, they'd been diagnosed or treated by American or other doctors and, uh, given same thing months to live and and they're over there 20 years later doing their follow-up so it's pretty neat thing to see that it actually that it actually worked and one of the one of the cool things is you know i'm laying around i'd always been pretty positive and listened to audiobooks and podcasts and um I, you know I, always, I, I mean i read six plus books a month every month have for years and and it's always been pretty positive but i kind of just kind of just accepted the fact that I was going to die in a short time and uh, you know because I was having so many seizures and had lost lost everything and my mom had talked about uh, you know I got up there I was sleeping on the on the bedroom uh, on the living room floor in their one bedroom cabin you know up 35 miles from the nearest stoplight and as we're uh, as we're going through that my mom was saying well, why don't you start a you know, what kind of a business do you want to do? Do you want to open another, you know, do you want to open a weight loss, weight loss clinic here or a pharmaceutical company or a, you know, what can you do? And so we decided to open a little cell phone store and that store kept growing and growing. And so, you know, again, I was doing that more to, it, I didn't really believe that I was going to make it longer than the 60, 90 days. Um, but we started the business. You just kept kept working I figured if nothing else maybe I can get this business running and leave something for my parents and by the time I by the time I passed away and that business took off and we ended up purchasing bestsailor.com uh, purchased the entire company and uh, you know built out built out a company now that now does quarter million customers a month you know, have a quarter million customers a month hitting the, hitting the site there and been a uh, pretty cool pretty cool journey I guess you'd say what was so? What was was the recovery process? I mean, was it was it did the treatment was it pretty instantaneous that it worked, or did it just kind of slowly like slow the growth of your tumor? Like, how how did that actually uh, end up happening? Yeah, so they in Mexico they inject they call it a laetril or it's vitamin B seventeen. So it's basically one molecule from or amygdalin is another another term for it. But they inject this and do uh, chelation therapy and different different things and uh i went the very first day i i still have a terrible memory but i had lost probably nine months of my memory before that i woke up in the hospital with a girl that i'd been dating you know it was there she'd been dating we'd been dating for nine months and i did not remember that i'd ever even talked to her and so uh went down that first day after treatment i you know took the cab back to took, took the cab back to the hotel and the second day, come back and I got done and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just going to run back. So I had my laptop in my backpack and, you know, jogging through Mexico, you know, Tijuana, Mexico, there, mile and a half or so back to the, back to the hotel and instantly had just a really crazy thing as that t- tumor started shrinking. I hadn't had any more seizures for quite a while and uh, just memories, memory started coming back. I had just a crazy flood of emotions and stuff just a really weird uh really weird response i guess you'd say but 
yeah, everything, no real side effects or everything worked pretty good. So, and that's been 10 years ago and I'm still here today. And that's incredible. As you can tell, I'm speaking again. So, <laughs> so, well, I mean, how, how, how was that like just psychologically, psychologically kind of getting that new lease on life? I mean, what was it a huge relief? Was it, I mean, cause, cause it sounded like you, like what you were saying, you were pretty much prepared that, that this was the end. Yeah, I was, uh, I, my whole life I've been, you know, just built tons of businesses and, and, uh, I, I kind of always, you know, I, I'm Christian. I believe in, believe in Jesus, believe I'm, believe I'm saved. And, um, so I have a, I wasn't worried about dying. It was just, my main thing is I didn't want to have a slow, you know, take two or three months to die where, where my parents saw me wasting away and getting, you know, having the, having the typical, you see people die of cancer and losing their hair and losing weight and nauseous and all the crazy stuff. And, um, so my biggest thing is I, I was hoping that I would get hit by a car or something like that to, uh, take me out quick. So it wasn't a, wasn't a painful thing for my family, but yeah, as we went along, it was, I, even today, if I, you know, if I walk outside and get struck by lightning, I'm not, I'm not worried about dying. So, um, and then, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me about kind of like what did anything change kind of going forward? Like, I know we we talked a little before we started airing just about your uh, about the peptide business, which I was super interested in. Was that at all inspired from that, from from going through that sort of experience? Because like the peptides being this sort of alternative treatment is is there a relation or no? There's no relation. I actually lost the peptide business because of the, the brain cancer. Um, so we had, you know, I, I had BeFitForFree.com and BeFitFree.net. We'd launched as a fitness forum years and years earlier and then ended up with 17,000 plus active members on the forum. Um, this has been before anybody really was using Facebook or anything. MySpace was the cool thing back then. But built this forum. It started taking off pretty good. We ended up having you know, making connections with pro bodybuilders like Andy Hammond and Phil Heath and Ronnie Coleman and uh, Jake Cutler, you know, these top IFBB pro bodybuilders and stuff. And uh, not, so we were manufacturing these injectable research peptides like PEG MGF, IGF-1, long R3, different things that worked similar to, uh, you know, growth hormone and different recumbent, recumbent growth hormone peptides. And so as we're, as we're doing that, um, it was just, you know, we were, we were building this out, and when I had, when I got the cancer and all that, it was just a uh, couldn't keep that going. I had lost the ability to even remember what the how how the business ran or how the you know to remember to pay the office rent or anything like that. So I see. So related to the peptides, I, I know I mentioned this to you as you know it's something I, I'm super interested in and haven't had a guest on the show talk about peptides before. Can you tell me just like a little like you know what 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 is a peptide? I mean, and and how or why why were these bodybuilders so interested in kind of uh, partnering with you guys? There's uh, you know peptides. Growth hormone is a peptide. That in you know there's all kinds of different uh, peptides that are basically protein chains that do different different things in your body. But we were using IGF one long R three insulin like growth factor one the recumbent peptide 
that extended the active the half-life of the peptide you're doing that with pegylated mechanical growth factor or peg mgf and that was a big thing for a lot of the bodybuilders and stuff because you inject this stuff and you can have you know you do a site-specific injection and it basically causes similar to a muscular cancer uh where you're actually growing new muscle cells so typically you know if you're if you're lifting weights or whatever you're breaking the fibers down and then they they come back stronger and and thicker because with the recovery but these injectable peptides would actually help you to gain new muscle tissue new muscle fibers so a lot of bodybuilders that were willing to do stuff like testosterone and growth hormone injections those things would stack these with these other peptides and get just massive growth you know guys gain 30 pounds a month in you know where normally you're gaining what 12 pounds a year or something like that so wow you just have guys absolutely explode and the peptides are also not a traceable you know not not something that would show up in a drug test and so uh we we didn't start the company for that but that ended up being our main business was nfl players and you know all kinds of different different athletes that made their money by being the biggest strongest fastest leanest guy on the you know on the, on the court there or whatever so right right so so these peptides i mean this isn't this is, I guess, a bit different than what people like classically think of as like steroids, right? Because that would that would usually be like testosterone. I mean, do you do you kind of group this in with with that category of steroids, or so? You know, there's and- anabolic or androgenic steroids, but pe- a peptide is not a. It, it works similar, but it's like uh, years ago they had all the methylated anabolics. So like there was um, Promagnon is a real popular one that was a, you know, an orally active anabolic. So basically a steroid that you could buy it over the counter. And, uh, so we, you know, we'd manufacture that stuff as an injectable, a lot of different, a lot of different things like that, that were legal. So that was the big thing where we'd have, you know, police officers and firefighters and stuff that would buy this injectable product because it helped them get the results of steroids without the illegal, without risking going to prison over, over drug charges, whatever. So. And, and speaking of the, the legal status, that, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know that's another thing we touched on before the show. You were saying how the, the company had had, you know, some, some issues or, or it was just kind of difficult to navigate around the legal framework. What, I mean, is, are these peptides sort of in a, in a gray area as far as like being unregulated or, or how, how did that sort of work? Uh, it, it's been, what, almost 11 years, maybe 11 years plus since I was in that business, but with the scheduling, you know, with stuff being scheduled as a, uh, you know, you could have a, a product. We, we sold all the peptides for research purposes only. So they'd be manufactured, you know, you could order them legally for anything you wanted to, as long as you didn't inject them in yourself. So people would buy them. I don't care if you're injecting it in a, you know, an orange or a lab rat or, a, or squirting the stuff out in the air, as long as you didn't inject it yourself, you're, you're good to go. And so that's how that was the legal loophole loophole that let us, you know, run the entire clinic and stuff. So we didn't ever give the injections in the office. You you know, a customer would come in, get measure their height and weight and all the you know all the different things, do blood work on them, and um, kind of as a general health type of thing. So same thing right now. If you go down, you can go to different clinics here in Colorado and do chelation therapy, which chelation helps fight cancer, but 
you you cannot go to a chelate, you know clinic that offers chelation therapy for cancer treatment because the clinic will get shut down. So you'll go in there, you know, don't even mention cancer or whatever the problem is, um, because the doctor is not legally allowed to treat you for cancer, but they can do chelation therapy for general health, and a side effect is cancer gets cured. So interesting, yeah, it's it's crazy the the way <laughs> those sort of loopholes work, but yeah. yeah. I guess just part of the system. I'm I'm probably the wrong guy to be asking about the uh, the peptides and stuff now because it's been so long and because you know with the brain cancer my mem- my memory is absolutely terrible. But sure. Well, let, let's switch gears a little bit then. I I wanted to ask you about so so your new the the new book how to be successful think like a leader. I want to hear kind of uh you know what what was the what inspired you to want to write that you know I saw in in the bio that you had, uh, uh, you had wrote that uh, you'd kind of contacted all these leaders that you had admired and like started asking them questions. Is that, so that was kind of the, the basis for how the book got started? Yeah, so I, I actually started a, because of the memory issues, I bought a domain, I just, I think it was like an $8.99 domain, um, successmotivationinspiration.com, because it was such a ridiculously long URL. It was super cheap. And so I bought that and started using that to record, you know, write notes on every motivational book or inspirational book I was reading because my memory was so terrible. I'd get done with the chapter and I couldn't tell you what the chapter about was about. So as I was reading, I was basically doing book reviews and uh, I started going along and pretty soon I started contacting these authors. When I ended up with the brain cancer, I figured I had better, you know, I wanted to try to start inspiring and, and uplifting folks. And uh, also was kind of hoping that I would have something from a mom, from my parents to look back on, you know, after I passed away that uh, where they could look back and see some, some type of a positive thing that I was sharing with the world there. And, you know, as that went along, it kept, I, I ended up being able to contact more and more just incredible leaders. Um, one of them was the inventor of the MP3 player, uh, Eric Payne is a mergers and acquisition specialist. I was able to interview there. It's just a, just an incredibly sharp guy. Uh, Paul Watson, another friend of mine that owns a, he runs a church and he's got his own hospital and uh, just really incredible people that, that I wouldn't have had a chance to connect with if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't doing these interviews. So started on a, almost like a podcast type of an interview and you know, as, as I was recording, we ended up turning the books in or turning the interviews into a book here talking about how these multimillionaire successful guys have become so successful. So let's, let's talk about, I guess, that, that answering that specific question. What, what separates these uber successful people, these leaders from the rest of the pack? That's a really, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that I see a lot you know, I, I interviewed everywhere from, you know, this preacher that's done absolutely incredible. Uh, Jeff Wobig is a Navy SEAL Team sniper. He's SEAL Team 5, SEAL Team 7. He's on Operation Rhino Wars on the Discovery Channel and just super successful Navy sniper. And then, uh, you know, Paul Watson, the, the preacher, and another guy, K1 Mayo, who's a very successful guy who spent years in prison and, you know, gangbanging and running drugs and doing different stuff. And had, had turned his life around, becoming a successful entrepreneur now, doing legitimate business. 
So it was really cool to see some of those different, you know, the different perspectives from different guys who had, you know, the inventor of the MP3 player, there's different guys that had done these crazy things. And to see who had, you know, their their views, the similarities and differences on, on life and success and, you know, what true success is. So there's a... Uh, I can't go through all of the all the interviews in the book here, but I would recommend grab a copy. It's two dollars and ninety nine cents on Amazon, and uh, you know we're about to release the audiobook as well. So awesome! Well, do you have are, are there any like uh, few interviews that you did that really stand out to you that you always kind of like look back on that were you know more memorable than the rest? And there's. I, I did a whole bunch of interviews. Quite a few of them did not be did not get included in the book, so we just picked out the very top, you know, best advice you can get there. Um, Jeff Wobig is one that I really enjoyed interviewing. He's that the Navy SEAL team guy. Um, just thinking here, my, and my memory, like I said, is absolutely trash after the brain tumor. So I'm just I'm looking through as we're going along, but. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's there's 27 chapters, and I interviewed probably 12, 15 different guys in there are are successful people that I interviewed, and then other ones are stories of, um, you know, you just just success type motivational stories in between. So, and did this uh, like just just doing all of these interviews like obviously helped you a lot in terms of being able to put this book together? But did it change anything? Because you were already a business guy before this, but kind of then you know you're you're learning from all of these super top experts. Did it change anything about the way that you conducted yourself or uh, or operated any of your businesses? Man, absolutely. That's another great question. Um, so one of the biggest things that I saw is every one of these guys, no matter what happened to them in life, you know, you have one of the. I, I, there's two chapters in a row here that. Uh, the first guy, so I, I talk about two different guys. The first guy, the chapter is called Don't Miss Your Orange Creamsicle, like, you know, like the popsicle. And that's talking about a homeless guy that I had drove by, drove by in my, you know, I, I drove by and was going to give him, you know, figure I was going to run to the house, grab a, uh, you know, a sparkling V8 energy drink and a popsicle and some snacks and stuff. And as I was trying to bring him back, I, I was in a, uh, I was driving a Jaguar at the time, pretty nice vehicle there. And so he flipped me off and screamed at me, rich effing prick. And, and, uh, so I, you know, rather than get out and argue with him or whatever, I figured I'd drive home, bring him some snacks. Maybe we could sit down and have a, a conversation there and try to see why he, why he hated the rich guy in the Jaguar. And, uh, as I pulled up, he was screaming at another lady in a beautiful white car and, you know, same thing, trying to start a fight. So I'm going, okay, this is probably not the best thing. I'm, you know, I was trying to bring the guy some snacks and improve his life rather than, you know, have him attack me and try to, you know, have to hurt him or something. And so that was talking about miss, this guy missed his opportunity to not only have, you know, a nice bunch of snacks and a cold popsicle and a cold drink and stuff, uh, but he also missed the ability to, you know, maybe make a connection where he could have ended up with a job. I was running three retail stores at the time. And, um, so yeah, there's a, that was a good com combination of that. And then the very next chapter, I, I guess there's a couple of other chapters later, but the next, uh, 
another homeless guy that I talked to was I had met him. You know, when I met him, he was driving a twin turbo Ferrari, this bright yellow, just incredible Ferrari. And so I started asking him this, you know, a bunch of questions here, kind of what he did for a living and how he started his business. And he was telling me his story about how he had lost everything, went bankrupt, lost his house, his wife left him, he was sleeping in the park. And so his next, you know, his first night sleeping on the park bench, he decided he's got to do something with his life and went and he got, um, went to, you know, started applying for jobs at construction sites and ended up now he owns a major trust company building, you know, roofing trusses and driving the Ferrari and has done really well. So a lot of good combination or, um, you know, contrasts, contrast, contrasting stories there where you can see the life choices of one versus the other has them in a completely different situation. Got it. Back to that, uh, the, the point about that, that guy who's, I guess, sort of yelling and, and kind of just out of control. Is that sort of a big thing I was just thinking about just in terms of, of business? I mean, I would think just being able to to really regulate your emotions and being able to stay calm in the sort of like high pressured, you know, business negotiation sort of environment. Is that, is that a big thing for you? Uh, I've always been, I, I guess it took a long time for me to be, you know, I've always been a real strong leader to a detriment where, you know, I, I had a, uh, especially with, you know, having the supplement company and you got, 15, 20, 30 guys walking around in the, in the t-shirts that are sponsored, got your logo on it and you snap and Hey, we're going to sit over here and the whole, whole cruise follows you around. Um, that was a big learning process there going from, you know, being that type of leader with that following stuff to understanding that as soon as I lost everything and, you know, ended up bankrupt and, um, you know, the seizures and communicating stuff and losing that entire following the entire you know, the entire crowd that I thought you, when you're in that position with the money or the whatever kind of power, it's real easy to think that, um, the people love you for you. And then when you lose everything overnight, that was a really good lesson to, to go, okay, you know, you go bankrupt or you lose your, you know, you end up with brain cancer or you start having seizures or whatever. And, um, just kind of, um, kind of a unique position to be in I, I wouldn't trade it but it's a neat thing to be able to, to understand people you know people connect with you in friendships or whatever because of what they can get out of the relationship and, and that's just human nature we we do what's best for us so yeah no that's that's something I've I've talked to a lot of friends recently about that that exact idea of just it I mean is that so that's something you experienced firsthand of just like a lot of people that you thought you know were like you know, friends or, or good business partner, like just falling away when, when either, you know, when things kind of collapsed. Yeah. So I was kind of a, like I said, when I was, I was pretty young making, making really good money and, you know, sponsoring events, the Denver Coliseum and we'd have a, uh, you know, rent out a nightclub and, and it was a private, private after party after the, uh, the, the bodybuilding show or the MMA fight or whatever. So I could send out a mass text message to 600 people on my phone and say, Hey, we've gotten, you know, free tickets come, you know, let's, let's go hang out at the, uh, you know, at the Denver Coliseum here, just wear your B fit for free shirt. So, you know, everybody'd show up in their t-shirt and have all these bodybuilders following me around and stuff. And then, um, it was kind of a crazy, 
kind of a crazy thing to realize that, you know, as soon as the free tickets and the free sporting events, the free nightclub stuff and all that cut off, out of 600 friends, I, I had maybe half a dozen. I, I probably, probably five people showed up at the hospital to visit me, and not one showed up to help me move or help us load the trailer or whatever to get out of, get out of town. So, uh, like I said, it's really a blessing to. It, it was depressing at first, going, man, it's. I thought all these people loved me. I thought I had all these friends, and and uh, come to find out, it was just, you know, just the money. But also looking back at that, that was the personality of. I wasn't acting like a friend. I was, you know, snappy guys were sitting over here and I was the leader, but it wasn't, they weren't leading, they weren't following because of, because of the great personality, I guess you'd say. So, right. Good thing yeah. you, you got to be, got to connect with people and actually care about, care about what they're, what they're doing and what they're feeling and stuff and, and not just be handing out free tickets or free. Was that something that was that something then that that you started like kind of developing within your employees like later on? That's Absolutely. Sort of like, yeah. What so what, what was that uh, process? I mean, did you have anyone kind of uh, kind of coach you on 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 doing that, or was it just kind of like a natural like you just saw that 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 was something that you needed to to build those kind of real uh, relationships with your employees like over time. Um. One of the one of the books that I read a lot was how to be success or it was uh, how to win friends and influence people. And, yep. Uh, Dale probably read that two dozen times, and um, you know, as I, I'd, I'd say probably the books and podcasts, and then interviewing these other leaders was probably the biggest thing to to see, kind of helped me shape my my personal. What do you say? Uh, to be able to generate better relationships and stuff. Sure. And I apologize if I go off on a tangent or, you know, if I forget what the question was, like I said, my memory is terrible from the brain cancer. So. Oh, no worries. So I guess, uh, you know, switching gears uh, again a, a bit, let's talk about, so, um, you know, before we, before we started airing, you know, you were saying how you kind of, uh, you closed kind of the in-person stores that you guys were, were operating and now, you're kind of going all in with, with this sort of being a sort of influencer kind of media figure. Is that, I don't know. Is that, is that an accurate, how, how do you describe like your current, like what you're currently doing? That's actually because of guys like you with the podcasts and the, uh, you know, Amazon TV and different channels I'm on and stuff now. Um, that whole thing has been, it wasn't really a decision to become an influencer. Um, that's, that's such a weird, weird, uh, term as well. I always picture the guy with the man bun at Starbucks with too tight of pants on. <laughs> um, but no, it's, I'd say that that started happening as we, as I was building out the, the following on the books and stuff. I had 150,000 plus followers on, on the Amazon author profile and, um, you know, writing a couple of bestseller books and stuff. So a lot of that happened because of the growth of the other, the, the books and the other podcasts and stuff that I was doing there. Uh, like for example, Amazon contacted me to make me an influencer. They, they call it an actual Amazon influencer. They give you your own little storefront and you can, you know, anytime somebody clicks the link, it's kind of like an affiliate program. So a lot of that, you know, I, when I set up my Amazon uh, influencer store, the, uh, you know, I had, I had other podcast hosts ask me, well, how did you do that? I've, you know, I've applied to 
trying to get set up? How did you, how did you become an influencer? Or how did you, you know, how, how did you apply or how did you speed up the process or whatever? And I'm like, I have no clue. They reached out to me. It was just what, because of all, the number of book sales. So. Got it. So tell me about like, like the, uh, what, what, uh, sort of like, going on other people's shows or like, like what, what, uh, what sort of interests you the most in terms of, in terms of like your current role? Cause it, it seems like with doing this sort of stuff, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing books, you're going on podcasts, you're interviewing people. Um, what, what, what's sort of your favorite, uh, kind of activity, uh, or role to play? So I, I enjoy being a guest. I, I love answering these questions and just hearing the, all the cool, perspectives and the, and the, the, you know, the different questions that folks have got. Um, but I, I really enjoy inviting other folks on my, you know, go live on the Facebook profile or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, um, different live platforms are on. And, uh, probably my favorite thing right now, it, it's not as profitable as, you know, app development and some of the different stuff that I've done in the past or the, the pharmaceutical company and those, but really enjoyable, just being able to get where I'm constantly connecting, either doing consulting or, you know, asking these other leaders what they've done to become successful and kind of it's just been a really great thing to keep my, keep my outlook positive and also learn a whole bunch of new things to keep growing my, you know, the podcast and the, and the Amazon fire TV channel and the different things like that. So it's, it's, you're you're in a really interesting position because it's like it sounds like you know from doing all these interviews and, and just being a businessman yourself you kind of you know we're, we're looking up or you know looking at all these people trying to figure out you know how to become a better leader yourself but now kind of with your own reach it's you probably i assume have a lot of people looking at you as you know figuring out how to be a better leader in their own lives right yeah i'm doing i do paid consulting as well for people growing. I've got one of my Facebook groups is 310, 312,000 active members now. Um, so yeah, it's been a cool, kind of a cool thing to uh, switch roles there, you know, going from owning the companies, having all the money coming in and guys following your own and then losing everything and being at the very bottom of the barrel, sleeping on my parents' floor in the middle of nowhere and, and, uh, you know, couldn't drive myself to the grocery store if I wanted to, because I was, you know, with the seizures and everything, and then coming back again now to be where people are, are inviting me on, you know, different shows and podcasts and stuff like that. And I flew out to Vegas and spoke at the, at Caesar's Palace, did a a uh, virtual conference a couple weeks ago here in India. So pretty neat to have, you know, thousands of people go from thousands of people following you because of the money to losing everything. And then now people, you know, the same thing, growing that following again, but it's not because of the, you know, cause I'm showing off flashy cars or, you know, hosting events at the Denver Coliseum. It's they're reading my books and, and uh, I just say a whole lot better lifestyle now to, to be actually giving back something positive to the world instead of just here's some free sporting tickets or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what are you, uh, you know, I know we're, we're, we're coming up onto the end of the show right now, but, but I want to hear kind of what, what's, uh, you know, what are you hoping to do going forward? Is the plan to, to keep, keep going with more books, more writing? Um, what, what, what do you see, uh, 
where do you see this going? Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently just starting on a book uh, for personal branding, you know, writing a book on personal branding. I just did my fifth or my fourth book here, and I've had three of the four books have been bestseller, you know, hit bestseller status. And so the, the books are doing well. And we're actually, I, I right now, you know, the, I've got the suit, suit on top, and I'm wearing a pair of shredded old pants here that are got paint and drywall all over them. We're building out a new podcast and video studio across town here with, uh, you know, a full professional green room studio. And, you know, now that we're on Amazon Fire TV and things like that, it's going to be a, that'll be more of the focus is just keep focusing on, on giving back, doing something for the world that, you know, you can uplift and inspire and motivate. And, you know, just like the books, you can sell, you can sell books for pretty much whatever you want on Amazon. I've got them at the bottom, you know, $2.99 is the least you can charge for a, you know, to earn the, the top commission level. And uh, so just trying to do, make make that that knowledge and stuff accessible to everybody that I possibly can, so. Love it. Awesome. Well, Curtis, I really enjoyed having you on the show today. I really enjoyed our discussion. If people want to find out more about uh, your work or, or uh, find your books, where would you direct them to? So the easiest one, I've got a short URL, mcm.team. So you, you know, no www.no.com, it's just mcm.team. Or you can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, mcm.team links to all of those different profiles. But yeah, jump on, like the Facebook page and send me a message. I'll talk with you. Great. Great. And for those of you guys who enjoyed the show, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. And you can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else that audio podcasts are available. Curtis, again, I wanted to really thank you for coming on the show. It was an honor to have you as a guest today. Absolutely. Hey, and one other thing there, if you guys want to, anybody that's watching this right now on Facebook or, you know, if you go to the Success Motivation Inspiration page or the M. Curtis McCoy page, you will be able to click the link to Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast facebook page so if you guys are watching this now on one of these channels click that link and and uh be sure to give him a like on his on his facebook page awesome appreciate it curtis yeah appreciate it toby thanks for having me on absolutely